who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. I'm loving every minute of it. And it's ridiculous. You know, I'm a little older and I'm like, why am I getting so into this? This is crazy. But anyway, it's very exciting. And I love this. Okay, but back. (laughs) This is not about me. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's recorded at a frequency that only queers and allies can hear. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be Diking Out with Kara Lyrics about matchmaking, and we will tell you more about Kara later. She'll be joining us over Skype. I wish I had had a matchmaker. Right? A long time ago. That would be so interesting. I can't yeah. wait to talk to her. We're yeah. going to be talking to her remotely. So uh, Sarah and I are going to do our thing for a little bit. And mm-hmm. then Kara will join us. Um, we're releasing this episode a few weeks after recording it. But just so you know, the, the, the wonderful times we're living in right now. <laughs> the Brett, fuckery continues. <laughs> yeah, Brett Kavanaugh was just... Uh, confirmed. I think we let out an appropriate amount of rage mm-hmm. on our gay conversion therapy episode regarding that. But I did want to share that uh, Cecilia managed to channel her rage in a very fun way that uh, I was editing an episode of Diking Out and I was in the kitchen doing it, sitting at the table. And she said she wanted to kind of like organize the apartment. So I'm like, cool. And she's like, just, you know, stay here for a little bit. Just like maybe one hour later, I come out and she has rearranged the furniture (laughs) in our apartment single-handedly. And I'm talking like giant dressers. Yeah. Oh my God. Huge, heavy sofa chair that there's no way anybody could lift. And she like took the sofa chair from the living room (laughs) And put it in the bedroom, 
<laughs> which I don't even think it can fit through the door. Like, I don't know. Right, she bent space and time to get it through. She did. That's with her rage. Her rage did. <laughs> uh, because she she's not a citizen, so she can't vote. Right. So she's got to so channel gonna, that She's going to do something. Um, uh, and for listeners, for reference, Cecilia is tiny. She's like... <laughs> What is she? Probably five. She's five five. We're the same. Five, yeah, you we're guys the are, same you height. You guys are like not, you know, large people. <laughs> we, we don't. We don't lift no, or anything you're not like lifters. that. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, I'm Peruvian. I know how to move stuff." I'm yeah. like, "Is that a thing?" Like, yeah, I think she. I I think, and we don't have video evidence, but I think she moved it with the power of her mind, like Alex Mack. Like, I think she may have telekinetic powers that you don't know about yet oh well that's that exciting for me yeah uh i'm i would be excited to discover my wife's secret like, powers i would not be surprised if the the events of the news made her so angry that she like developed telekinetic powers like it yeah. like it just like it crushed like a diamond into her brain and that's what came out of it like it's the only way to release that energy was supernaturally you know i tweeted this week that one of the the big bummers is realizing that people probably don't have telekinetic power or else the senate would just be on fire yeah. like <laughs> a fire so starter guess, would have absolutely made that happen by now yeah yeah so that was a little bit of a letdown mm-hmm. because i really thought if we if there was enough like the room would have collapsed in on the on the republican senators yeah, yeah. something just a little bit yeah you know um, but yeah, so she moved, I mean, it looked great, but I, I was speechless for, for 20 minutes. I wish, <laughs> I wish there had been cameras to capture that. She just like put on lemonade. I, I didn't even hear her. Like she had lemonade playing. Granted oh. I was editing, so I did have headphones right. in. But you but didn't hear any. it's a New any... York apartment. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I should be able to hear her moving. I mean, rage freaking... plus Beyonce. You can do I anything. Know. I know. So she, I'm like. She couldn't have been dr- even dragging it. Like, did right. she lift <laughs> this, like, 200-pound yeah. <laughs> thing into into the bedroom? So it's... Um, That's amazing. I don't know. A frustrating and an exciting time for me right, right now right. that my wife is apparently a superhero. She's apparently the mom from The Incredibles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a man. That's great. Every what, what day a woman. she does something. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm the luckiest person alive. That's like, great. Yeah. I didn't even think she was the moving furniture kind of dyke, but I didn't, she no, is. She, you know, I didn't pick her for one either. I know. But now I know. Now she's got like that, that is like her little, like they give you little badges and Girl Scouts. Yeah. Now she has one of those badges and it's just like a, it's just a couch. Yeah. But we all know what it means. <laughs> it means this is a dyke who can single-handedly move large pieces of furniture. We we had a uh, a marquee week of lesbian activity because <laughs> I also put together we we got a turntable because millennials mm-hmm. I don't know and uh, I put together the 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 stand I ordered it for it uh-huh. and you know whenever you're putting together furniture oh, yeah and and you see all the reviews online that were like impossible to put together I'm like not for me first try nailed yeah. it. <laughs> Not for this gold star lesbian. Yeah, yeah. I know how to put together furniture, but then I'm also like, how much money do we have to make until we can buy furniture that no longer has to be assembled? Like, I know. I, I think that's, that's a different standard. That's a level in life. Like that when you unlock it's a crazy that part, bracket. Yeah, yeah. Like you know you've made it. Yeah. If you if you have, I think in at least in New York, if you have made it to the point where you buy furniture that's already assembled and it gets delivered to you. Yeah. Or and or you have like in unit washer dryer. Oh. I feel like that kind of luxury is like 
Like that's my goal. Like that's my five year goal. Yeah. Is to just live in an apartment and have it not be a big deal. Like it's just like a thing. Yeah. You know, because they don't even show me those apartments. Right. <laughs> Anytime somebody moves into an apartment with a washer and dryer in New York, you know it. They've like hired an airplane to sky ride yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know someone who recently moved. They issue a press release. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like all the pictures of the new apartment are just the washer and dryer. Yeah. Or like cleverly have the washer and dryer in the background. So like you yeah. know they have a washer and dryer. Like we get it. And their friends in Michigan are like, why are we only seeing yeah. pictures of the washer and dryer? Oh, my Midwest friends have like no concept of like how how novel I would find having yeah. a washer dryer. Like it would just blow my fucking mind to have one. Or like a dishwasher even. Sure. I feel like that's like a lot. I had I a dishwasher to- when I first moved Oh, really? To it. I did. I've never even seen one like in an but apartment But it was a tiny here. one. It was a tiny apartment dishwasher. Oh, and it was ones. like. Those are weird. Like, like what's the point? Right. I don't. So when I went to Philadelphia for the Beyonce concert, um, and we had this really nice Airbnb and it had a dishwasher. But I like. We had cooked. We had cooked at home or something. We had a bunch of dirty dishes, and I just started washing them by hand. And my friends were like, "There's a dishwasher," and I was like, "Oh no, I, I don't. I don't do those. Like yeah. I'm so conditioned to not have one that I yeah. just like skipped it and just hand washed all the dishes." Yeah. Oh, so lame. Man, <laughs> life. What is this life? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Just so much rage. One thing that did give me a little bit of hope was watching. Kamala Harris speak oh on the Senate floor the night before the vote, even though, you know, it was going to happen, mm-hmm. but the the Democrats did stay awake all night to specifically deliver the message that they stand with survivors of sexual assault. Like, they didn't have to, right. to do but, that. Because we knew what was going to I mean, yeah. we've and known this was going to happen. We've known this was going to happen, and obviously standing for uh, survivors is not a winning uh, platform in this country. Mm-hmm. And, pe- you know, all the people are like, Democrats can't, you know, the Democrats mess this up because they decided to place their bets on that. I'm like, they're not placing their bets on, like, they know the country elected, mm-hmm. not through the popular vote, but did elect a, a guy that was... Yeah, like someone a, with multiple a serial sexual predator. assault, credi- you know, credible allegations against him. Yeah. Yes, he's a serial predator, yeah. and people didn't care and voted for him anyway. So, obviously, people don't care. Like, Yeah, we, the, we, the we jig is up. We, yeah. know, we know nobody fucking cares about women. Nobody like, cares that's about women. Just yeah. what, that's simply what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. But it's good to know that possible uh, 2020 candidates, and I hope she runs, because watching her, you're like, I can see her as yeah. my president. She I, currently is the president of my heart. Yes. <laughs> I I would give up... A, With no term limits. Yeah. <laughs> I'd give up one of my legs, like, below yeah. the knee, maybe. I would, like, I absolutely, <laughs> I think, would take a bullet for Kamala Harris. Like, I think I, I should be in her secret service. I would go to war for her. I would. I would, like, do, yeah. I would like put war paint on and, like, be... I would, like, go... I would, like, charge into war with, like, a machete for Kamala Harris. Yeah. Like, Game of Thrones style. Like, I would hold a flag with her face on it or something. Yeah. Anyway, Ugh. we're all very reasonable in our love for Kamala Harris here. We are. We are. Uh, <laughs> we just need to, to strategize. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what has been killing the bees so we could redirect that towards men. <laughs> That's yeah. my new goal in life. <laughs> I have this new mission. Oh, my God. I'm pro-bees. I am so pro-bee. I am as pro-bee as I am anti-man. <laughs> 
So one of my friends from high school that I was hanging out with in London was telling me that her sister lived in Wilmington. And when Florence was coming, she was like, her home should be fine because she's far enough inland, but she keeps bees and the bees are probably all going to die. And I was so upset about it. And I was thinking about it pretty much every day for weeks. And I'm like, why am I so attached (laughs) to to my friend's sister's bees? (laughs) And after everything settled down, I... Sent her a message. I'm like, how are the bees? And she's like, the bees made it and oh my sent God. me a picture. And I was so happy. You know what? We have to cling on to moments of joy like that in 2018. I don't blame. I am like teary-eyed over the bees. Right? I, wa- <laughs> I was getting emotional over the bees. And Cecilia was very supportive about it. She was like, bees are so important. It's they are. okay. Don't feel silly for being upset about these bees. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, bees, well, bees are literally crucial to our survival. Yeah. So if we could uh, kill men instead of bees, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. I don't like when men buzz around too close to me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sting of men is a little bit worse yeah. than a bee sting. Let me tell you, the patriarchy yeah. has uh, oh critically wounded me. So. Yes. <laughs> A couple other things that are going to be outdated by the time you listen to this. <laughs> uh, some of you may have seen on Instagram that I saw Kate McKinnon on the streets of New York the wow. other day. Talk was, about an, another an achievement unlocked. Right. I know. We we have a, a list of goals for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Some of them not directly related, but one was... Uh, <laughs> to see Kate McKinnon. In the wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd seen her perform... Um, at UCB before, not to brag or anything, but <laughs> I had seen her perform at UCB and I was doing a uh, volunteer work with my coworkers. We were uh, helping out with City Meals on Wheels. Shout out to City Meals. They do a very important job mm-hmm. for uh, homebound seniors in New York, some mm-hmm. of them who live at the top of uh, five floor walk-ups. Oh my God. So I they probably imagine. never leave their apartment yeah. because yeah. I had a hard can. time getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we see that there's something being filmed on the streets, which happens a lot in New York. Mm-hmm. I looked, I didn't see anybody notable. It was kind of a small crew. There weren't like the big trailers around or anything. So I thought maybe this is like a student film mm-hmm. or something like that. Nothing big. And then they had to ask us to move our stuff across the street because they were shooting and they apologized. But my my boss heard that it was actually an SNL sketch. So she said, Carolyn, you might want to stay and watch or something. This was of your uh, interests. Yeah. So I was looking, thinking, oh, I know some of the writers on SNL. Maybe they're here. So I'm looking for, you know, the people I know who work for the show. Yeah. And then I don't see uh, anyone. I don't see any of the cast members at first. And my boss said, you know, the only person I really care about seeing is Kate McKinnon. And I look over across the street and all of a sudden this blonde appears. And I'm like squinting. I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that? And my boss is like, oh my God. And at the same time, we both take our phones yeah, out yeah. and like hit record and are just like, and I caught her doing this beautiful stretch <laughs> where her leg is hoisted, right. you know, that like so 100, 130 degrees yeah. angle. Very <laughs> athletic stretch she was doing. Very athletic, uh, classic Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing like face. spandex. I mean, oh, yeah. Now I'm excited to see the sketch, whatever it is they were filming. It came out last night. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was about the presidential text alerts. Mm. Uh, it was good. So, yeah, we so we saw That's her. That's amazing. Yeah, it was 
great. I was so excited to see like a lesbian on the loose uh, right. in the wild. Out in the wild, getting so her stretches in. Spot them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just what a great reward for doing. This is why you should do community service because yeah, you never exactly. know what celebrities you're going to run into. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. It's the only reason to do it. Um, so speaking of Saturday Night Live then, I tuned in because Aquafina was hosting and I took a screenshot and I put it on our Instagram stories and I was like, shout out to one of our favorite Gaysians. Hey, Aquafina. And then a listener <laughs> wrote back that was like, I don't think Aquafina's gay. I'm like, what? Uh this whole podcast, like the whole time we've been doing this, I'm sure there have been several times where I've talked about Aquafina just being very confident that she was a lesbian. Because yeah, when, I don't know why. I I just did you thought think it. so too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody's ever corrected me on this. <laughs> and the when I first heard about Aquafina, it was a like a lesbian, a black lesbian artist who right. was like, you need to see this like queer Asian yeah. rapper. She's awesome. Like, cool, cool. And I've been a fan of Aquafina since, but, um, I mean, we're still fans. We're still fans, but yeah, uh, I guess. So upon doing further research, she, uh, has, she's just like only not dated dudes. Okay. It, it sounds like she doesn't really talk about her sexuality either way, but she has made comments where she feels like she's disappointed a lot of people who just assume that she was gay and that's why she doesn't talk about her personal life much. It sounds like, you know, she could be maybe open to dating women, but the, it doesn't right. sound like that's really her thing. So this listener and I are like looking for, for facts. It is you guys are getting into like yeah, like a.m. You're in a you're in a room with like red string connecting all the dots of all your clues. Might as well be. <laughs> Might as well be. So then she sends me this article that was like, here, this talks this like shines the most light on it. I'm like, great. I open it up. It was an interview done by the standard by our friend Elena Feldman. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so crazy. So not only has my friend Elena uh like had it is one go go look up the interview between Aquafina and Elena Feldman and then you will understand my undying love yeah. for Elena Feldman who is one of the she's so delightful funniest people yeah. she recently moved out of New York to move to Amsterdam really yeah oh I didn't know that it's oh very, that bums me out it bums me out oh my god yeah I could see her in Amsterdam yeah, yeah. hopefully it's only temporary and she comes back because yeah. she is. Uh, just a, a small glimpse into how great she is. She mm. wrote this sketch that where she played an Antonio Banderas super fan who gets uh, work <laughs> by going around and giving talks about uh, boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. So he's an Antonio Boundaries. <laughs> It was like the weirdest premise for it something. It was one of the weirder sketches I've ever even heard of. Yeah. And she did it so well. And rewrote Living La Vida Loca, the right. lyrics, to be about boundaries and being an Antonio Banderas yeah. super fan. It anyway, sounds she's really delightful. Crazy. Follow her on Instagram. It's wonderful. Follow yeah. Elena Feldman. Read everything she's doing with The Standard because it is so funny. And... Yeah. You know, you can still like Aquafina, I guess. Yeah. I mean, of course she's I do. She's pretty cool. She is pretty cool. But yeah. also, why did we? Th- I don't know. That's so funny that we just like thought like we. She put like, out a video called "My Vag," and yeah. one of the lyrics is "A vagina is fifty times better than a penis" or something. Yeah, like that. which is true. 
But yeah. then, like, you assume, I don't know. I think that's where I, I like, drew the bridge in my head. Yeah. But I was just, like, convinced. Kind of like I was convinced for a long time that Mariska Hargitay was gay, even though she's absolutely not. But I, yeah. I just, like, I manifested it in my head yeah. because I wanted it to be true. Yeah. I think it was one of those situations. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. She was we- in a sketch with, with Kate McKinnon last night, and I'm like, two lesbians in the same sketch. <laughs> and everyone's like, Carolyn, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And now I just feel bad that Aquafina must be tagged by lesbians all over the place right. all the time. People just assuming that she's a lesbian, which really is a compliment. Yeah. Uh, it's lesbians are pretty aggressive in their fandom, though. So I bet, it's, I bet it, it gets is. a little old. It could get a little weird. <laughs> That's great. All right. So our guest today for the podcast is Kara Larix. She is a fashion designer who won season one of Fashion Star on NBC. She's also a writer, an inspirational speaker, and a matchmaker for the LGBTQ plus community for the company Three Day Rule. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. So excited. This is so great. We're excited to have you. Please, please share how this came about you being on this podcast? Because it was a fun email to get. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, Sarah, you might have to help me with this. Yeah. Because I'm... So, basically, I knew who you were a long time ago through um, my old boss, Elise, who was your roommate in college. That's right, yeah. Elise. Yes. Yes, so, Elise. And she's amazing. And I worked for her when I worked for uh, Enterprise right out of college, which was the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Um, but anyway, she was like, you went for the post-college enterprise. Oh, I did. That they yeah, I really did. From. I really leaned into it too. Um, and she was my, nice. like, she was like the big boss. So, uh, but she was talking about you because at this time you were, I believe filming, um, NBC's fashion star. Right. So that would have been in what? 2000, like. 11-ish, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, 2012-ish, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I had, like, I think I started following you on Instagram or something like that at some point, um, be, you know, because you, know, you, you won that and it was so cool. So anyway, that's how I was, like, that's how I became aware, like, of who you were. And then a few years later, I was living in Kansas City and uh, writing a newsletter for um, – an organization that was started by Shelly Wright that's like a, like an LGBT outreach organization, and I emailed Kara to do an interview. So we did that, and I searched through my Gmail, and I found it. And it's like, at this point, like six years old or something, six, seven years old. But yeah, so that was like, nice. isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I I've never that. actually I've never met you in person, although I did walk by you once. This is so weird. In oh God. that that I remember this. This is weird. Oh God. I walked, was I picking I, my nose? No, not at no. all. Okay, good. I, I, <laughs> you were decidedly not nose picking at the time. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I I was I had just moved here and I walked by you in like the Lower East Side or something, and I was like, oh my God, that's Carol Eric. She's so cool. And I was like, she's. Oh. I was too scared to come up and say hello to you. So anyway. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Yay. Well, hello now. Yay. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. And yeah. then so uh, when I looked you up, then I was like, oh my gosh, I totally know who this is because I watched that show when it was on yeah. NBC and I remember you from, but like most reality TV shows I've watched, I like have zero memory of like any episode, anything about right. the show, uh, until you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I did follow this person for a little bit, and then that memory just kind of, yeah, dissipates. like, yeah, yeah, 
Well, so yeah, that was the loose connection. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's amazing. I was trying to remember if it was through Elise or if it was through my sister. And so, yeah, Elise. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen her for a long time. Yeah. my story about Elise, she has super curly hair, and we were roommates in college, uh-huh. and she would kill me if she knew I was telling you this story, but she would take a shower at night, and then in the morning, her super curly hair would be in the drain, and I would be like, oh my God, Elise, come get this puff out of the drain, gross, gross. Anyway, That's but great. I love Elise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Anyway, she's awesome. Yeah, she's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 So that's that's sort of the the three degrees of separation, I guess. Um this and is now great. you're here. And now you're yeah. matchmaking. Yeah. Yes, this is crazy. And the way that I found you was, you know, I started scrolling through different lesbian podcasts and you name it on Instagram and saw your obsession with Marishka. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Isn't she dreamy? Oh my gosh, I'm, I am obsessed as well. I always say live will make it all right. All yes, the time. Yeah. I love live. I love live. Anyway, and I'm like, who is this? And then I was like, Sarah York, Sarah York. Oh my gosh, that name sounds so familiar. And then when I put two and two together, I'm like, I have to email her. I have to email her. So yeah. I'm so, so happy you did. did. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm so happy to be here. So tell us how you went from fashion to now matchmaking. Yeah, so it's crazy. I, I'm one of those people who believes life is short and it's too short just to do one thing that you love. And For so sure. my life has been kind of a series of chapters that's sort of leading up to a novel with a theme of LGBTQ love. Yay. And so, yeah, I was a fourth grade teacher before a designer. And at 10 years of teaching, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I've had enough of this career. It's been great, but. I want to do something else. So then I started designing. And of course, when I graduated with my MFA in fashion design, I moved to New York. I mean, where else do you go? But it was 2008. So no one was hiring. And so that was kind of like, oh man, I sold my things on the street in New York for a while. And then finally, I'm like, what am I going to do? And what else? Go on a reality television show and design yeah. collections for H&M, Macy's, and Saks Fifth Avenue. And yeah. so that was an incredible experience. It was so much fun. And I had my own line for a while afterwards. But, oh my gosh, designing on a reality television show and then carrying on a fashion business in real life are just two different things. Yeah, um, yeah sure. But I kind of, you know, sat with everything for a while when that chapter ended. And I'm like, you know, what do I love? What do I love to do? And even when I was a teacher, I started a GLSEN chapter, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. I think the acronym stands for something more inclusive now. But at the time, that's what it stood for. And, you know, I just wanted to connect with other queer teachers. And Mm -hmm. then when I was in fashion, it was the same thing. My favorite part of that whole experience on Fashion Star was connecting with people through social media. And I mean, little baby sisses all over, you know, sending messages like, oh, it's so inspiring to see somebody who's out doing their thing and following their passion. And I love that. And so really, when the fashion chapter closed, I literally entered into LinkedIn, LGBTQ, love, connection, and I kid you not, 
the position for LGBTQ matchmaker popped up. Wow. And wow. I was like, yes, yes. So LinkedIn yes. does have a purpose. Yeah. It, it totally does. Other than yes. spamming my email. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn still thinks I work in Kansas City for a large corporation there that I quit like almost a decade ago. So I should probably update that at some point. Yeah. I know sometimes I get those messages like, congratulations on your work anniversary. And I'm like, "Hmm, which job was I doing at that point? Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so I work for a really incredible company and kind of take care of all that LGBTQ folks across the country, matching men, women, non-binary folks. And I absolutely love what I do. I feel very lucky to do what I do. That's great. Yeah. So before you, I uh, only knew one other matchmaker person in real life who, I forget the name of her company, but she works for one of those like really high end, like millionaires only matchmakers in New York City. And uh, I, I met her through comedy. And when she was telling all of us about uh, her job, we were fascinated. But one of the interesting things was she said that all of the clients are men, that it's only men who pay for uh, the services and that they have a couple of gay men, but it's mostly men looking for women and they've never had uh, women looking Mm -hmm. for women using the the services and that the reason that they use the services is because one, uh, some of them are famous people or they're, you know, high level executives that don't have time for dating. They don't, Mm -hmm. their time is very precious to them. So they don't want it to be, um, I guess, wasted if you look at life experiences that way, but wasted on bad Tinder (laughs) dates and um, putting energy into people who would be after them for their money. So they're getting paired with people who um, are, you know, already kind of like pre-screened and her job was actually screening the women. So she just spends her days basically interviewing women, seeing if they would be good matches for these rich and powerful men, which just seems fascinating on so, so many levels. But, but yeah, the, the whole queer aspect, I mean, uh, you know, now that there's like more apps like her and, and whatnot, that there's more stuff catering to the LGBTQ community and obviously for gay men, you have Grindr and whatnot, but, uh, which is not really a matchmaking. No. Site. Uh, <laughs> that's like a, a one kind of match. night matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Temporary a, arrements. Not even yeah. a night. It's a, it's a 20 minute matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Well, what you're describing is like, welcome to my world. I mean, yeah. I'm, And maybe it's because I am who I am. Like women are my forte. I love working with women. It's where I'm comfortable. It's what I love doing. But at the number one complaint I hear from all of the women that I meet with is they are just absolutely sick of swiping. And I guess the average online dater spends about 12 to 15 hours a week swiping and messaging and very little of that actually results in a date or even a relationship or especially a relationship. So um, that's what I hear all the time is this kind of like shift back to, gosh, I wish there were bars we could hang out. It, you yeah. know, those are all dwindling and we don't yeah. have any place to like gather in person, like the good old days. And so that's what I love doing is actually talking face to face with women and getting that sort of in-person feel. And then my mind kind of works like a, 
what's it called in Vegas, like a slot machine. Yeah. Like if I'm looking at your face and then thinking of everybody I know in sort of my mental Rolodex, it's like, ching, and think yeah. about matches that way. So yeah, I do the same thing. I meet with people all day long. So yeah. So tell us a little bit more, like what is a typical day for you at work as a matchmaker? Mm -hmm. It's all over the place. And especially since I work with women across the country, I'm based in Chicago. So if I'm meeting with somebody in Chicago, I could be all over the place in terms of coffee shop, hotel lobby, wherever people want to meet, um, trying to find either clients or matches or, you know, whoever. Um, But if it's somebody in LA, New York, Boston, Washington, DC, then I hold meetings kind of like we're doing right now on Skype or FaceTime, or, I mean, this is super high tech. I have a Zoom room, whatever that means, like (laughs) a link where I can meet people. Yeah. So um, my days are just spent matching, meeting with clients. I do a lot of date coaching as well. So some yeah. of my clients really want to talk about conversation topics or delve a little deeper into things that have been stopping them in the past from really finding a great match. So we do a lot of that. And my favorite part is really debriefing with clients and matches following dates. And it's interesting, you know, people quite often are like, I had no idea I was perceived that way or, you know, I didn't know that's what I was doing. And so, I don't know, it's a little bit of a self-exploration, self-growth journey as well, in addition to meeting great people. So basically, if you, so both parties give you feedback after a date, right? Like Mm -hmm. the client plus the person that they were matched with. Yes. So it eliminates ghosting altogether. Yeah. 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 Ghosting has to be like a total occupational hazard that you have to deal with. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, something else I never expected is how vulnerable the whole process can be because so many people are used to like just sitting in their bed or whatever and swiping. And if someone doesn't Mm -hmm. like them back or match or whatever, no one ever has to know. But in terms of what I do, we really do talk about everything that went on on the date and, you know, how that's going to look going forward, a second date, yes or no. And that can be really vulnerable when people aren't used to sharing that information really with anyone. Yeah. I mean, that has to be like probably the most intimate situation you would be in with like a consultant. Like it's not like you're in real estate and you're finding the right apartment for them. It's like this is a two-way thing where someone else has to also find them and to have to break the news to them that someone's not interested, I imagine, is a hard part of that. It know? is, but but I always say, and I truly believe this, there is a lid for every pot, and yep. I just have to get them in the right kitchen so we don't stress. You know, if it doesn't yeah. work out, there's a reason, and we move on to the next. And sure. take yeah. something from every single date, every single opportunity, experience, and really use it going forward to be a better match for the next person. So yeah, yeah, yeah. How how do you find? So you have your your clients, and then mm-hmm. how are you pulling in matches? Are these also clients, or are there people who sign up specifically? to just be in like a pool of potential matches, if that makes that's sense? A, like, Yeah, that's a very good question. It's probably something I should have made clear earlier. 
so great. The company that I work for is called Three Day Rule, and it's totally free to be in our pool of foxy singles. You know, people can, (laughs) I I hate calling it a pool of foxy singles, but that's what it is. It's like people who either sign up to be a part of our TDR family, or I find them somewhere, Whole Foods, coffee shop, wherever. Um, or people are referred to me all the time. And then I meet with everybody in person just to make sure they're not like, you know, I mean, I guess it would be hard to tell if they were a belligerent drunk or something like that in in one meeting, but you know what I mean? If they're eligible to be matched. And then all of those incredible people that are in our pool of Foxy singles can then be matched with our paying clients. So if, if you're a paying client, then I get to work solely on your behalf and really, you know, take all of your lists of hopes and dreams and all of that and really find matches that would be very well suited in terms of values and attraction and all of that good stuff. That's awesome. It is. I love it that. Is. I have so the best job. three day rule. What does three day rule mean? Like, why is the company called that? Okay. So this is something that I'm like, hmm, I asked the exact same question. (laughs) I guess it's just like kind of a a play on that old rule where you're supposed to wait three days before calling after a date. And it's just obsolete and ridiculous at this point. You know, there are, Mm -hmm. there are no rules in terms of that. So I think that's where it stemmed from. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine with the uh, the post date feedback, well, that that it is really different. Like, it's good to know that there's somebody specifically to serve um, people in the LGBTQ community because obviously the dynamics between um, the straights, as I like to call them, <laughs> are are different. Yeah, uh, and I remember yeah. this this person I knew who does that kind of uh, millionaire matchmaker stuff. Uh, she talked also about the the post the predate coaching and the post date feedback. So predate coaching was telling women that they shouldn't talk about politics um, because Ooh. men might not like that. Oh uh, which again, straight yeah. women, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? You would think that's like kind of like a fundamental thing that you should kind of know where the other person is at. But, um, and then one of the, I forget like all the things, but the one that stuck out to me the most with post-date feedback was she had to tell some guy that he shouldn't take out his Invisalign during the meal and leave it on the table. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, it's the little thing. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. As far as like, so your colleagues that um, work with uh, like straight clients, what is the biggest difference between your job and their job as far as like how you relate to your clients? Because it is such a different world in in ours, you know? Yeah. Well, something that's really cool about um, Three Day Rule is it was really built on making straight matches Uh to begin with. So our CEO, Talia, really built her company based on what she knows, which is men and women, heteronormative, you know, relationships. But she has, of course, always had good friends and people that she cares about that are LGBTQ identified. And so when she was ready to open that division, she was like, you know, I really want somebody in the community who's matching, you know, somebody you're right. It is, it's very different. And so of course that it was, all, it all just happened to work out at the right time. I'm like, uh, yeah. me? first of mine, first of mine, I want to do that. Yes. Um, and it is different. I mean, 
like just when I hold a meeting with a woman, we generally meet for about, I don't know, an hour or so. And like you were talking about, we do talk about politics. We talk about religion, um, you know, just any kind of big deal breakers. And it's crazy what people, people will tell you all kinds mm-hmm. of things. I've learned never assume because you hear so many, so many things anyway. Um, but after those meetings, which are about an hour long, so many women will walk away and say, my God, that just felt like a therapy <laughs> session. Like it was just so great to be so open yeah. about, you know, my relationships, what I'm attracted to and, and just be able to spill it all instead of feeling like you have to filter or hold back or, you know, I mean, and same thing with gay men too. It's, I've had more conversations about top bottom yeah, verse than I think. I, <laughs> and, you know, it's just kind of really nice to have an open form about all of that stuff that sometimes we have to edit yeah. or we don't have to, but some of us do. Yeah. yeah. You got to cut to the chase and get to like people's political beliefs. I think you should, I think you should only talk about politics and religion on a first date. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> Okay, I have to disagree I know. with that. Not only, not only. <laughs> Definitely uh, don't talk about your exes. That's always a rule. I would assume on a first date. Oh. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's one of my big um, kind of coaching deals is having conversations with women prior to a date when that's been the bad pattern before um, is just talking about exes mm. and really giving strategies as to how to turn around a conversation that starts to go down the X road. You know, it's, it's not that difficult, but sometimes it, you do need a few strategies if you feel yeah, heading yeah. that way and wanting to be like, oh, it's just best. Save that yeah. for later. I mean, it's all important, but save yeah. it for later. <laughs> yeah, b- yeah. Besides talking mm-hmm. about X's too much, what are some other common um, things that come up for dates that did not go well? Um, gosh, Going in too fast for the physical if and not yeah. really taking cues on the other side, whether or not it was welcome or appropriate. Mm. And I mean, I'm not talking consent wise. I'm just talking like, you know, really reading the vibe, really reading body language and all of that and making sure both people are into it before kind of, you know, heading yeah. into that. Um, but more, I think bigger, the issue dating wise is really expecting things to happen really fast. And I mean, I understand it and like online dating, it happens so fast. You swipe this way, swipe that way. If you're not attracted, you swipe one way. And really when you think about your very best friendships and relationships, they've taken time to build and a new relationship is the same way. So it's always frustrating when women will go out or men too. And after one day, like, you know, I didn't like the shirt she had on or I, you know, I don't know, this wasn't, we didn't totally agree on this. And it's like, God, settle down a minute. You know, it was a first date. Nobody like brings their a game. Everyone's nervous and it's a first date. God, give it a second date. So I think people cut each other off a little too quickly is like the biggest pitfall I know. Yeah. Yeah. What's the gap between what people think their type is or think the right match is and what their right match actually is? Because I imagine that with your experience, you have the ability to see someone be like, oh, you've been going after the wrong person and that's why you haven't found the one for you yet. 
That is such a good question. I'm so <laughs> glad that you asked that. I mean, we have all kinds of data from all the people that we've worked with. And really about half of our clients end up with someone outside of their initial preferences. I mean, it's, um, and I, the only reason I feel confident talking about this is I've made the mistake myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, before I met my fiance. Oh, congratulations. Congrats. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. I wish I could have been on the lesbian right episode because I'd be like, I wanted to talk about lesbian engagement and yes, yes. Um, I mean, just me personally, I had all of these, oh my gosh, I'd love for her to be styly and it would be so cool if she were a world traveler, even lived in Europe. And sure enough, I kind of willed that into my life years ago and ended up on spending three months in Copenhagen in this wild relationship, but really learning it just wasn't good for my soul. And then when I went back to Kansas City to kind of help my parents who were getting a little older, help them downsize, I was joking around with a couple of mutual friends of mine. I'm like, who am I going to date in Kansas City? You know, this is ridiculous. I'm going back to New York and yada, yada, yada. And they both looked at each other and they were like, Jen. And I'm like, oh God, no, I'm kidding. I don't want to get stuck in Kansas City. No, 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 no. Sure enough, after spending so much time as friends, I just was like, God, it's like coming home. Like she feels good to my soul. Like she's the opposite of what I always thought I wanted, but I took my time. I got to know her and realized what she really was, was really, really good for me. And it was nothing that I was saying beforehand. So Mm -hmm. anyway, that was a really long roundabout personal. We're very happy about this. This is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Good. Well, that's good. Yay. Yeah. I mean, I know me personally, and I feel lucky that I've never had to deal with online dating, though. Oh, I sure have. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I find it fascinating, but I know that in the times where I was single and what I thought I was attracted to is very different than who I ended up having relationships with and uh so i imagine if if i had been online and been like hunting for for women i would have been going after all the wrong ones and i don't think any of them would have been interested in me because i definitely wouldn't have been the right right well there's just so little that you can tell about someone by a photograph like that's not that's what's so i um i did tinder for uh an hour and a half total And I found myself so weirded out by, I was like, I'm looking at someone for a fraction of a second and determining that this person could never be in my life. You know what I mean? Like I'm literally disposing of a person with a fraction of a second of an impression. And that doesn't really make any sense to me. So I deleted the app. But before that, back when I first moved to New York in 2013, I, I went on, I've, I've probably gone on, Probably 20 first dates from OkCupid, which was okay. just, I mean, it was, it was fun, but I'm, I found that I was really good at going on first dates. Uh, but second dates okay. were a little, were, were questionable. And then third dates weren't really happening, which was fine at the time. You, but was there, a, was there a pattern as to why those first dates didn't uh, work out? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I don't, I don't actually know. Now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm like a little self-conscious about it. Like, was it me? Uh, no, I think it was just, I was 
somehow ending up with people who weren't emotionally available at all and like the typical lesbian thing where they're all hung up on their ex and I was sort of like a like a fun you know interlude between them eventually getting back with their ex which was which kind of ended up being the mm-hmm. pattern so yeah that, <laughs> yeah. that was my yeah. first I don't know, six or seven years as a, as a out lesbian was dating people who are obsessed with other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very common. I have to say I'm in a good position in terms of that because when people finally do come talk to me, they are ready to find a right. long-term relationship or a committed relationship. So it cuts out a lot of that. Oh, I'm just like buying time until I Biting, biting? I don't even know. Time? I think there's. Whatever. I think they both work. I, I don't. Okay, <laughs> great. I'll say it fast. I'm just buying time until like, you know, whatever. You know, getting back with an ex or you know, pining after somebody else. And so, yeah, I get to kind of weed that yeah. that mentality out. And a lot of it is about timing. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is about, like, for example, one of my. My sweet clients, um, we were working together and she actually met someone on an app while we were working together and is now super happy with this woman. And it's not even a woman that I could have introduced her to because this woman had just become available while we were working Mm. together. So our relationship changed into me really coaching her through the beginning stages of this relationship. And that's cool. You know, there was a lot she didn't, it was cool. Like she didn't have to lay a lot on the relationship because I could be kind of, I don't want to say a dumping ground. Yeah. But you know what I like mean? Your like your soundboard. If, if yeah. she was unsure. Or yes, woman, exactly. You know, so. So with your yeah. work with your clients then, does that extend beyond when they do match with someone and start dating them? If they want, like, do you then, do you also kind of coach through the dating process if that's with one person? Like. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be so great if everybody had a wing woman, because I think sometimes we bring a lot of baggage from other relationships into our next relationship. And we read things about the other human that maybe we've experienced in a different form in the past. And then we Mm -hmm. panic and think, now she's doing this. Should this be a red flag or is Mm -hmm. this normal? But if you have someone to kind of talk those things through with, you really realize this is a different human. She deserves a clean slate, you know, and you can step back and take a breath and maybe avoid some of those things that would cause, you know, kind of newbie relationships to collapse. So, I mean, how much of matchmaking is helping these, uh, these clients kind of love themselves and let themselves be open to loving someone else or, or being loved to accepting love I would imagine that's a big hurdle. Uh, another such a good question. It's so true. I mean, really, that's that's what I call my greatest success is when women, you know, I got a text the other day from one of my clients and she said, you know, Kara, I have just, my world has been opened. I'm looking at things in such a positive light. I, things have just really turned around for me. And sure enough, everything in her life. I mean, not only is she kind of, getting something brand new off the ground professionally, but a relationship with her mom and now her relationship with the woman that she's with. And it is, it's, it's a whole, like the whole person. It's not just about introducing a human to another great human that share a love Mm -hmm. of dogs. It's, you know, it's more about the person inside first so that they can then be available for another person. Yeah. I, I I feel like 
the hardest part for so here's here's my other question what how much stock do you place in like with a new client and how much time has elapsed since their previous relationship because i feel like lesbians speaking for myself tend to kind of go from one relationship right on into another <laughs> yeah. it's like it's our superpower yeah where we can yes. like like a frog yes. on a lily pad into our next relationship but what do you is there yes. like do you factor that in and do you ever have to kind of talk someone down from like getting too serious again with someone? Mm-hmm. That's a good question too. Um, and being a serial monogamist <laughs> myself, yeah. I mean, really like five year to a five year to an eight year. Yeah. Um, it is. That's, that's a real danger. The thing is, like I mentioned earlier, I can never assume, and this is true for me too, one five-year relationship could have been absolutely devastating and heartbreaking, but maybe a more recent eight-year relationship, it was much easier to get over for one reason or another. And I could be very prepared mm-hmm. to then you know, move into something else. And yeah, actually that is one yeah. thing, that's the truth. So, um, <laughs> so again, it's just on a case-by-case yeah. basis and just through a lot of talking and asking questions and trying to figure out if someone is really ready to date someone seriously. So, so I imagine sometimes then you have to turn down potential clients if you think that they're just not in a place to be matched. Well, you know, it's not necessarily if they're not in a place to be matched, but also, well, I guess it is. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the times that I've had to, you know, turn down a client or just say, maybe it's not the right time. I think that's probably more what I do. I mean, I'm full transparency. I want to do my job really well. I want, you know, women to be matched, men to be matched, but sometimes you can just tell this is either like, you know, a a panic situation or they think they should do this. And so that's always my approach take some time, you know, go think about this for a hot minute. If I have good advice to give, you know, before we even start working together, by all means, I deliver, by all (laughs) means, I deliver that so that they can then, you know, just enter into the process so that it'll be more beneficial for them. You know, it just, because it's so true. It's work on yourself first before you're, you're ready to really meet someone. What's been your experience so far with non-binary and trans people in the community? Because I know that dating for them presents a whole different tray of challenges. Mm. Okay. Here's my very honest answer on this one. So within my company, they're fantastic in terms of you can identify I'm a man seeking a man. I'm a man seeking a woman. I'm a transgender woman seeking a man. You know, you can identify yourself in any which way you want. But then on our end, what I'm, as soon as I'm ready to broach with my company, I really feel like, for example, with transgender women, all of the straight men that we interview, I feel like part of that interview or part of that meeting process should be are you open to yeah. dating a transgender woman? Because so many of the trans women that I meet with really want a straight identified mm-hmm. man. And so in, in terms of safety, in of terms course. of making good matches, I feel like it needs to be full transparency on all sides. And right now it, it would take that one little question 
you know, it's just something that I need to work with all of our straight matchmakers with and just explain why that question is really important to ask of straight men. But of course, you all know what our climate yeah, is like yeah. right now. And, you know, it, I think we have a little ways to go before that can be a part of it. But something I even said to Jen, my fiance, <laughs> um, the other day is it would be really incredible to have a very niche matchmaking um, for trans women. I talk to more trans women than trans men for some reason. I don't know why. I think it just happens that way. I don't know. Um, but just in terms of safety and dating, I've heard so many just really, forgive me, shitty mm. stories about how the trans community has been treated. Oh, safety and, is a um, top concern. I mean, yeah. just they're yeah, literally yeah. like murder statistics like, yeah, and, that's, yeah. and crazy things like that. So, yeah. so that has to be a priority. A priority. I wonder too with uh, with queer women or women who identify as lesbians who maybe um, have not thought about what it would mean to date someone who is trans or non-binary. Which is why it's like it's interesting that you bring up this questioning because I think a great way to do that is just asking somebody, "Would you be interested?" And yeah. in, yeah. And this, and just to know, because uh, a lot of people might not think about it, because it is still very new in the in the conversation. Where I mean, even uh, myself, I have always thought, you know, oh, I, I only date women. But then, if someone were to ask me, would you consider someone? I mean, I'm married, but if I were single, would you consider someone who is non-binary? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, right. Like maybe it yes. depends on yeah. the the person, but I would be open to finding out. You know, absolutely. One of the questions I ask every single person that I meet with is um, just flat out: How do you identify? Mm-hmm. And then, how do you identify those who you are attracted to? Or you know, are there certain identities that you're open to? You know, I make sure to do that, of course, with all of my LGBTQ identified clients and matches. But I feel like it's also really important, especially for the trans community, to be asking of this, our straight um, foxes, yeah, yeah. you know, because, you know, trans, some identify as straight, yeah. too. It's different, trans and straight. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Right on. So yeah. we are unfortunately running short on time. Is there any advice or anything you want to give to our listeners about finding them? A lot of our listeners are sort of newly discovering their sexuality and they're dating women for the first time. And like we get, we just get a lot of emails and stuff about that. So any, any sage advice about dating? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Always stay on the good foot and enjoy every single experience that you have. If a date flops or fails, Glean the three great things that came out of it. Enjoy humans for humans. Um, go into dates curious. Like, what can you learn? Um, attraction is going to come eventually here, there, or, you know, wherever. But really take every single experience and opportunity as a positive one. Know that each one is helping you build up to your eventual person or for my poly friends, yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Is there anything that you would like to plug? How could people follow you? Or oh, that's so. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet of you. Um, I would love to see any Foxy singles okay. out there in our database. So you'll be directed back to me if you just go to www.3dayrule.com 
backslash LGBTQ. And if you sign in totally free, you'll be directed back to me and I will give you a little call, an email, and we can have our hour long meeting and talk all things attraction and future and relationships. That's so great. Awesome. Oh my God, I love oh, it. I'm so excited for our listeners Yay. and any listeners who uh, do sign up, please like Let us follow know. up with us. Yeah. Uh, that'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is Thank such you a so treat. much, Kara. We okay. love this. This, this is so been much amazing. Fun. I'm so happy we did this. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, Sarah. It's so good to yeah, see you face definitely. to face. It's yeah. Awesome. awesome. Let's keep in touch. Okay. Have a great day, guys. Yes, yes. I'd love to. All right. All right. Bye, Kara. Okay, we're going to end this episode with a listener question. Uh, this one is another lengthy one. My ex great. and I spent 5.5 years together. <laughs> Why did I read that as 5.5? 5.5. Five, 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 five and a half. Five and a half years. Five and a half. <laughs> 5.5 for all the, the math For all dykes. you math nerds out all there listening. Math weights. <laughs> five point five years together. As teenagers and young adults, uh, truly a first love, tumultuous and all-consuming. I do want to preface this question with this is, like, I, I read it and I was like, wait, did I submit... <laughs> a question to my own podcast. Have I because, been cloned and I'm just sitting there emailing myself? Right. This is very similar to my experience, which means I don't have the answer. No. <laughs> uh, we both came out as lesbians together. Uh, they at the time identified as female and as a lesbian. A lot of our relationship was lesbian focused, gay pride, making lesbian friends, going to lesbian events, etc. cetera. Uh, the need to declare lesbianism was just so excessive and feels so dumb in retrospect. We even founded the Gay Straight Alliance at our high school. After we broke up, they have since come out as trans, not seemingly super rigid on pronouns, because they identify as more a gender-fluid trans, but certainly refers to themselves and prefers male pronouns. Since they were so much a part of my teenage and college years, they come up in conversation so much, especially with my family, and when I hang out with the friends I have left from high school. I find myself struggling with the pronouns when telling stories about high school before they came out as trans. Do I change the pronouns when referring to them in my high school years, even though they identified as female then? Should I just keep referring to them as they in all contexts, past and present? Since this transformation occurred post-relationship and this discussion never really occurred, I really want to try to be respectful as I can, but I feel like I do not have the proper support to be truly educated about how I can honor their preference. So this happened to me one of my very my first like long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, now that person is identifying as genderqueer. They use they pronouns. They go by a different first name. Mm-hmm. And when t- talking to uh, my family, I mean, I don't talk about them much anymore, but there is that struggle when talking about that time because at that time they presented very feminine mm-hmm. and, again, had a different name. And if I just started going by the name they go by now, I would have to explain all all of this stuff, which I don't have a relationship with this person anymore. So it's weird to kind of catch people up to speed on something where uh, this whole kind of later later chapter, um, I I haven't been intimately familiar with it and I haven't seen this person since then. So I do often slip up and just use the name they went by when I was dating them and use those pronouns. But I try 
really hard now to make an effort. And my answer is do the best you can to respect what they go by now because uh, that, from my understanding and all of the trans people I know, that is their preference. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, dead naming is using the -hmm. the name of someone pre-transition and nobody really likes that. So uh, even if you're having these conversations not in front of them, to help maybe anybody that is going to interact with them in the future or something like that. I think it's really important to respect where they are now and Mm -hmm. you can speak uh, about them using they, them, he, him pronouns in the, in the past. And it, it's not really important. I don't think for people to know necessarily that it was different. It's like the, the people who know them will know that. And then any new people, it might, and yeah, not be they, completely they know anyway. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, how often do you find yourself talking about your high school relationship? I don't know. Like, it, I suppose if if you are maybe in your early twenties and it wasn't that long ago for you, but I just couldn't imagine, you know, a scenario in which I would be talking about someone that often to where it's like a constant thing for you. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's that's whatever. But I say just treat this treat like the name, the pronoun thing the same way you would if this is just a friend that transitioned, you know what I mean? Or just a coworker or someone and anyone else. It doesn't matter that you had a previous relationship with them. I think that you should just simply adapt the pronouns that they are used to. And it sounds like it might be he, him in this scenario, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, really see any reason why you would have to elaborate on that. An interesting thing is that, Having having been in this place before and having had a, been a, an intimate relationship, uh, at first it did take me more time than I thought it would to kind of adjust mm-hmm. my language on that and realize how important it was for me to adjust my language on that Uh because of, again, that intimacy I had with that person, whereas one of my cousins is a a, a trans man, mm-hmm. and my uncle does a awesome job of always referring, even telling stories from when he was little, mm-hmm. of using he pronouns, oh, that's great. and never dead naming him and all of that stuff. And we're all yeah, like, like the, the whole family. Yeah. yeah. You know, we would never imagine using anything but male pronouns for my cousin Mm -hmm. ever. So for that, that made total sense to me of like, Oh yeah, I'm always going to call him this name and refer to him as this and totally see Mm -hmm. him as a him. Right, but then when it came to my ex being genderqueer, in my mind at first, I'll I'll admit this, and I I know yeah. that that this was wrong, but I kept thinking. But when we when we were together, they were a woman, right? And right. They went by this name, and that's how I can talk about the relationship because that was that the reality at the time. But that wasn't the reality at the time, right? They that was just what they were going by because that was how they they were raised. Their reality now really was the reality then. It's just kind of like they didn't really know come it. forward yet, yeah. Just like, you know, if you dated a guy before, 
but you're a lesbian now, you don't say, oh, well, I, I used to be straight. I mean, you can say I used to be straight, but mm-hmm. it was like, it's like you just you didn't. You weren't straight, though. Re- you, just, you weren't right. straight. You didn't realize you were gay. Yeah. So maybe yeah. thinking about it that way kind of helps. It, mm-hmm. it helped me, but I would use new name. Yeah. I would use you name, new name, preferred him, pronouns. Yeah, like preferred pronouns. The same way you would if it was just a friend of yours or a coworker or someone or anyone. Like yeah. if they, they don't even necessarily have to have a relationship to you. It's, it's just what you you need to do. Yep. And that's that. All right. That's all our time for today. Thank you for diking out with us. And you can follow us on social media at diking out. Please email us with your questions. We love getting listener questions. Diking out at gmail.com. If you can uh, go to patreon.com slash diking out and uh, donate. You can get pins. You can get tattoos. You can get our gratitude and dike out with us again next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? (laughs) Your search is at an (laughs) end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.